Good morning. Uh, yeah, it looks like I was right. I'm a lot more comfortable back there than I am up here. Um, I always end up in these situations where I'm just kind of stuck in a position where I'm always asking myself, why did I say yes to this, you know? Uh, I have this chronic disorder where I just don't say no sometimes, and I'm working on it. You can ask my girlfriend, Jenny, I've been saying no a lot more lately. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you know, I have these like random relapse periods where I just like revert back to my old self, and so here I am. You know, type B personality, you know, kind of go with the flow, never say no type of person. I'm really the last person to ever go on a mission trip, really, because, I don't know, it kind of requires effort and <laughs> requires, you know, money. <laughs> Both things that I don't really, I'm not, not really my strong suits. So why did I go, you know? One thing that I've learned and that I've learned from God throughout my life is that, you know, he kind of uses the people who are the least likely to do something to do it, kind of so he gets the glory and not the person doing it, you know what I mean? And that kind of happened to me when I went to Romania. Romania is a very interesting place, you know, no suit, no tie, no AC, and no black people. It's kind of just me. <laughs> and no one speaks the language, no one really, uh, you know, you kind of have to walk around with a translator all the time. We saw a lot of people, saw like 600 people when we were there over the 10 days. Um, cleaned a lot of ears. I instilled a lot of eye drops. Um, but one of the things that I noticed when I was thinking about it when I came back was I think that my purpose there was a little bit deeper than just helping people and treating patients. I'm a pharmacy student, so I don't really get a lot of opportunity to give physical exams, and we were able to give a lot of physical exams, but one of the greatest lessons that I learned when I was there was one of the doctors that I worked with, her name was Irina, and her sister lived in the town that we were working at. And she was just kind of hanging out, asking us questions. Why are you looking in their eye? You know, why are you, you know, checking their breath sounds? What does this blood pressure mean? And I feel as though like she was kind of interested, but she was an atheist, so she didn't really know about God. She was just kind of there because we were given free food and free health care. I noticed that over time, she saw that we actually weren't getting paid for it. We were there for 12 hours a day, and you know, all we were getting for our trouble was basically a free meal. And so she started to wonder about why are these people traveling all the way from America to, to Romania just to help out and then go back home. So she started to ask more questions about our school, about our faith, what we believed in, who are Christians. Eventually, she started asking about Jesus, and I feel as though God brought us to Romania, me specifically, not just to be pharmacy students, but also farmers. We were able to plant seeds that I know that the Holy Spirit will definitely be able to water in the near future. Hopefully, you know, if we make it to heaven, I want to ask her if she makes it, how did you end up there? What were the decisions that she made? And I feel as though that's the biggest thing that I was able to bring back with me from Romania, just the ability to spread the gospel to others, even people that I didn't really feel like I was going to be able to spread the gospel to. So what's the biggest point that I kind of got out of Romania. The biggest thing really is that at the end of the day, God uses people, and it's, it's amazing the ability that God gives you to be even more used when he uses you. God doesn't use the best vessels. He doesn't use the biggest vessels, the most ornate vessels. He doesn't use the strongest vessels. Pretty much the best vessel that God wants to use is the willing vessel. 
the one who's even willing to go out, regardless of whether you're a type A, type B, sanguine, phlegmatic, whatever you are, God can use you, and God can motivate you to do things that you never thought you could ever do in your life. So that's the biggest lesson that I learned from Romania. Thank you very much. Have you ever been told that you're the right person for the job? About two months ago, I received an email from a professor asking me to share about my recent experience in Botswana for today's chapel. My first thought was that I needed to find an excuse because talking in front of a large group makes me very nervous. So I began trying to think of an excuse to not give this talk. When some words in my professor's email caught my attention. You are the right person for the job. I had just read her email, but I never noticed those words until I was about to log off from my email account. You are the right person for the job. As I thought about those words, I was reminded of an experience that I had in Botswana. And I began to understand that God was calling me to do another appointed work for him. This past summer, I had the privilege of completing part of my family nurse practitioner clinical training in Kanye SDA Hospital in Botswana. Near the end of one of my outpatient clinic days, I was called unexpectedly to, to the emergency department. One of the nurse practitioners needed help with her last patient. The patient was a four-week-old infant who was brought in by his mother because he had been having high fevers and had not been feeding well for the past week. When I first evaluated the infant, he was very lethargic. He was as floppy as a ragdoll, and his skin was blue. His breathing was very rapid and shallow. His abdominal muscles and his chest retracted with each breath that he took. Every last ounce of his strength went to his breathing, and he could not do anything else. I listened to his lungs, and I could clearly hear expiratory wheezing as I watched him struggle. This infant was in acute respiratory distress. My first thoughts were, we need to call a code. This infant needs to be intubated. Then I remembered where I was. There was no code team. I was it. Intubation? With what equipment? Then I thought that maybe the infant would at least benefit from some supplemental oxygen. So I quickly looked for the smallest oxygen mask that I could find and placed it on the infant. It was time for a shift change, and the ER physician took over. I gave him a brief report on the patient's condition. The physician tried to start an IV on the infant, but the baby was severely dehydrated, and his veins were collapsed. After several attempts, he finally got an IV in the infant's scalp, and I began administering IV fluids and IV antibiotics. The physician looked at the mother and asked, your child has been having high fevers and has been sick for one week. Why did you not bring him to the hospital sooner? The mother looked at me 
I could see fear and guilt in her eyes. Then she looked at the doctor and replied, I thought he would get better. The physician wrote admission orders for the infant to be transferred to the pediatric ward. While the mother and her child were waiting to be transferred to the ward, she asked if she could hold her baby. The doctor explained to the mom that her child's IV was in a very delicate place and it could easily slip out or get dislodged if she carried him. But I saw the mother's desire to hold her child. So I gently repositioned the infant in the ER bed and I made space for the mother. I told the mother that she could sit or lie down beside him. As I watched the mother draw near to her son, I knew that we could not save this baby. Our resources were too limited. She brought him in too late for us to do much more than keep him comfortable. As I was about to leave the ER that day, I looked in on the mother and her child one last time. I could still sense fear, guilt, and sadness in the mother as she sat next to her dying child. As I made my way to the exit, something inside me made it impossible to take another step away from this mother and child without doing something more. But what more could I do? I returned to the mother. I took her hand and asked if I could pray for her. She agreed, saying, yes, please pray for me and my son. I knelt down next to, her, to the mom, holding her hand, and we prayed together. I prayed to God for healing of the infant and to comfort the mother in this time of distress. After my prayer, my mother, the mother and I exchanged smiles, and she thanked me. As I left the ER that day, I wondered why I was called to help out with this patient. I didn't do much for him medically. Then I eventually came to realize that God has placed me there because I was the right person for that job. A frightened mother and her suffering baby boy needed to feel God's love and sense his presence. I may not have had all the knowledge, skills, or equipment to save this child's life, but I was there at the right time to help bring comfort to this mother who was watching her baby die. In Ministry of Healing, Ellen White, a well-known Adventist author, once said, those who take up their appointed work will not only be a blessing to others, but they will themselves be blessed. This experience has helped strengthen my faith in God because I learned that it was no longer about what I could do, but what God could do through me. I was able to witness to this mother who was holding, who was losing her son and point her to a loving God who will never let her go through this experience alone. So when God calls you to his service, it is because you're the right person for the job. Good morning, it's a privilege to be here today. I had so many experiences living in Africa for three years. I have a hard time pick, picking one or two to share with you today. So as I reflected on my time, I wanted to just share some words that come to me of who God is and who God was to me during my time in Malawi. First of all, just to clarify, 
you don't change and become a spiritual, more spiritual person when you get on an airplane. So you take the same challenges, the same struggles, and the same experience with God with you when you go to another country. As I started planning and thinking about moving to Malawi in 2008, I realized that God is trustworthy. I had so many challenges, so many instances where I wanted to make things happen. I'm a detail-oriented person. I wanted to plan. I wanted to know what was in the future and make sure it was all under control. But I found that I couldn't. In Psalms 5, verse 3, it says, Each morning I bring my requests to you and wait patiently. And then Psalms 37 says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. When I arrived in Malawi, I found myself completely over my head, being asked to be the acting CEO of the hospital for the first two months. There were no other leaders around, and I had to prepare for a board meeting, all within the first two months of arriving in the country. And yet, I found Psalms 37, verse 5, that says, He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. I found God to be trustworthy. I also found that God is faithful. Malawi, on some lists, is the second poorest country in the world. And living and working in such a resource-poor country requires a strong belief that you're there for a reason. I felt God speak to me of his faithfulness directly on many occasions. Um, one, one day, it was actually Thanksgiving Day in 2009, I'd gone to the, the city to celebrate Thanksgiving with some Americans. And I got a phone call from our business manager at the hospital, and he said, you'll never guess who called today. And I said, no, tell me. And it was the, uh, a government agency that manages mission hospitals. And he said, they just let us know that we have been given a brand new Toyota Land Cruiser to use for our hospital. And all we had to do was go and pick it up and pay for insurance and maintenance. What a blessing and what a sign that God was faithful. And on top of it, it was on Thanksgiving Day. Lamentations 3:21 to 23, it says, Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. There were so many days when I was exhausted at the end of the day from people wanting to get paid, creditors threatening to shut down the hospital, employees unhappy because we couldn't pay them a high salary. And yet I tried to believe that, every, that tomorrow God's mercies would be new again. There was rarely a month where we could buy all the medicines we needed, and yet it seemed like we were always able to make it one more day. Psalms 116 says, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Because he bends down, his, because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. There are so many more stories, and I wish I had more time to tell you. They weren't all easy days, and there weren't, I don't have lots of stories of miracles, unfortunately. 
but I continued to rely on God's faithfulness. He has kept that hospital open for over 100 years. And so relying on the faithfulness of God to continue was such an encouragement to me. And the last word that comes to my mind is that God is my strength. It was such an enormous responsibility and living in a community setting where your phone, if your phone is on, you're available. If your door is open, you're available to whoever needs, uh, needs help. I found many times when I didn't feel like I had the strength to continue. But yet I feel that God has been present at every turn in my journey. And as I made the decision to look towards leaving Malawi, I felt like I needed strength again. Malawi had become my home, and then I was being called not to leave my home of my birth, but what had become my home in Malawi to come back almost to another mission field here at Loma Linda. Um, I was called to leave my hospital in God's hands and the hands of the people left there to run it. I was faced again with a challenge and a calling that was beyond my ability yet I felt, felt confident that God had called and would provide the strength. In Psalms 139 is a special chapter to me, and one verse says, If I ride the wings of the morning, or if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I know some of you here today probably feel called in some way to serve, whether it's local or international or maybe in the next town over. And I want to encourage you to trust. Trust that God is faithful. It may not be easy. You may not have everything laid out for you perfectly. But if he has called you and put that desire in your heart, he will give you the strength to answer the call. It won't be easy or comfortable always. But when God calls, as my mother told me, when God calls, you have to do it. And to summarize, if I could summarize my time and my experience, I have to do it in the words from Psalm 73 that say, Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. <laughs>